0: All right, we're live. You can go ahead.
1: All right. Welcome. Welcome, everyone. Um, so my name is Jana Ludwig, and I am the outgoing chair of Southeast Wyoming's Democratic Socialists of America chapter and a member worker of the Solidarity House Cooperative, who are the two co-hosts of tonight's event. And on behalf of both organizations, I just want to welcome everybody. We are two of the groups who are dedicated to helping open up what's possible in Wyoming politics and mutual aid organizing and building working class power. So if you come away from tonight excited about the content, I wanna encourage you to consider supporting some truly independent media in Wyoming. So Solidarity House is 100% grassroots supported and we would really appreciate it if you could support us on Patreon, even if just with $5 a month. And if you can't do that, we get it. We center the struggles of working class and poor people in everything that we do. And so almost all of our content is actually free on Podbean and iTunes and Spotify. And we have 113 episodes under our belts and a bunch of them are about Wyoming. Um, So there's a lot to listen to at this point. And again, we're Solidarity House on all of those platforms as well as Twitter and Facebook. And if you believe in things like a $15 an hour or even more minimum wage, worker ownership, and the rights to organize and strike, I'd like to personally invite you to consider joining and organizing with DSA. Uh, The week before Representative Carly Provenza introduced the $15 per hour minimum wage in the Wyoming legislature, Our DSA chapter consents to making labor organizing and specifically the fight for 15, our first focused campaign. So we were delighted to see Wyoming Democrats in both houses getting behind this bill. And although it's already been killed, we are taking this time tonight to start building support for the next legislative session. And we would love to have you as a comrade in that work. OK, so that's the end of the pitches. And speaking of comrades, I am now delighted to turn this over to our moderator for tonight, Matt Stannard.
0: Thanks, Jana. And it's great to see everybody. As Jana mentioned, our chapter chose the path and the project of labor mobilization as, uh, and that, that's our, our DSA chapter, uh, chose the path of labor mobilization, uh, which includes uh, tackling a bunch of things in the long run, right to work legislation, uh, empowering and organizing our teachers and our public sector workers, and of course the fight for $15 an hour, uh, which is a national fight as well as uh, now, oh, thanks to Representative Provenza and her colleagues uh, in the House and Senate, uh, is uh, also uh, a Wyoming fight. Uh, DSA nationally, as Jana mentioned, is growing. It's at nearly 100,000 members nationwide. Uh, our chapter, Southeast Wyoming Democratic Socialists of America is growing uh, with uh, up, upwards of 50 members uh, nationwide uh, and several dozen of those folks are very, very much active and committing to fight for these issues over the next year. Uh, and that I think is a good data point for our elected officials to know uh, that there are that there is mobilization around labor issues and around working class issues in Wyoming, and that you can find the bodies that you need to find uh, to do those cam- to do that campaigning, to make those calls, to do that agitation and education. Uh, if uh, uh, and if if we if you keep making the bills, uh, then we can keep mobilizing folks around those issues while also. So emphasizing uh, direct action strategies uh, and mutual aid strategies. Um, hey
1: Matt, I'm going to hop in for a second. Can you make me a co host? Representative Clifford is waiting to get in and I can watch the uh, waiting
0: room. Certainly. Thank you very much. And I will also quickly admit uh, those three folks and you can keep an eye on that. Thank you so much, Yana.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep, you bet.
0: And what an and what uh, a thrill it is to have so many of our electeds here, as well as these on the ground activists. Uh, So we're really happy to see those folks. I want to introduce our other speakers briefly. First, Um, we have uh, uh, You know, first of all, uh, as we said, we have Barry McCann and, and Amanda Barnes here from Southeast Wyoming DSA, but Barry's a veteran organizer. Amanda is a powerful voice and has been a powerful voice for working class empowerment in Wyoming. Uh, and uh, and then, of course, we have Jason Call, who's a former US House candidate in Washington, as well as a Fight for 15 organizer and an all around organizer for working class issues. Um, so, What we're going to do is, uh, and as I said, we're really happy to see the sponsors of HB 206 here. Uh, Please, in fact, please give uh, representatives Provenza and Clifford a hand for sponsoring that bill, even though you can't hear us clap. Um, I want to to say thank you for fighting for working people in Wyoming. We know it's a struggle. We know that it's, it, it is a, a new narrative uh, to have a genuinely militant and empowered working class fighting in Wyoming. And we appreciate so much um, that you're uh, a part of that. Uh, and we want you to know that we're here for that. We're here for the struggle. We welcome uh, the struggle. Uh, and thank you uh, for, for rolling those stones uphill. Um, some preliminary business. We're going to hear from um, our, uh, I wanted to hear from, from, I want to hear from our representatives first, and we'll hear uh, from representative Provenza and representative Clifford first. Um, And then we're going to hear from our other uh, speakers and uh, we'll introduce them one at a time. Uh, And this is really a forum about HB 206 and why it is slash was slash will be good for Wyoming. Uh, and how to organize and strategize for it coming out of that unceremonious dismissal and going into next year. We've posted resources that are educational resources about Fight for 15 nationally, uh, and we're happy to have debates about the details of those arguments, but that's not really why we're here tonight. What we wanna do tonight is share perspectives and advice, uh, including on how to answer standard arguments uh, and build solidarity and empathy with people who might not at first glance support it. But ultimately this is a strategy session to figure out how we can increase our wages as working people in Wyoming. So that's why we're here. And if people want to have other conversations later on down the line, you should get a hold of us at DSA and get a hold of us uh, at Solidarity Collective. Uh, and we'd be happy to have those conversations with you. But this really is um, a strategy session um, for. Uh, that struggle, that workers struggle to increase wages. So I want to start by introducing uh, Carly Provenza, uh, newly elected representative this year, uh, and uh, and really a central voice in the introduction of HB uh, 206. Thank you for coming, Representative Provenza.
2: Thank you for having me, Matt, and members of DSA. Um, I don't, you know, I, I ran because I come from a family that has struggled with economic insecurity. And I sure didn't want to leave people behind when I got over here to Cheyenne to, to do that work. Um, it's really important that people have a living wage, that the people of Wyoming are valued in the work that they do. All work has dignity and worth and all people in the state of Wyoming have that. Um, so, you know, I. I, it was easy to bring the bill, but you know the the hard work can, is is in front of us. Um, you're absolutely right. We need to do organizing. Um, I'm I'm ready and willing to do that. Um, House Bill 206. What we you know what we ended up doing was $15. Let's just start, and then let's get rid of tipped wages and let's get rid of youth wages, where folks get paid less for being younger. Um, it's absolutely not true that. Just young high schoolers are working minimum wage jobs, um, and again, everybody's time is is worth what they are, which is more than what Wyoming's minimum wage is is fifteen or five dollars and fifteen cents. <laughs>
0: Well, wonderful. Well, thank you so much uh, for coming, and yeah, thank you for including those provisions in the in the bill. Um, and of course, you can hear the arguments that people often make um, about you know how tipped workers make a bunch of money. And I'm sure that when we hear from uh, Jason in a few minutes, uh, we'll hear a little bit about what how to deal with some of that pushback and how to uh, how to uh, to frame these arguments. But first, we're also equally honored to have. Representative Andy Clifford here. Uh, And uh, Representative Clifford has now uh, uh, served uh, for uh, many years. Uh, Again, the interests of working people, uh, the interests of uh, folks who uh, are forgotten in the dominant discourse in Wyoming. And thank you so much, uh, Representative Clifford, for sponsoring the bill uh, and for uh, coming to talk to us tonight. Uh,
3: Those... Uh, good evening. Um, uh, my rap name is Coming Woman. Um, born and raised all my life on the Wind River Indian Reservation. And I come from a background where my people um, have participated in systems for far too long where they haven't been valued. And systems weren't designed for our participation or a protection, and so when Representative Carly approached me to sponsor this legislation, it was it was an easy ask. I mean, I I have no qualms about doing this. And what I've learned um, in my start of my third year um, in the legislature, a uh, second term, um, is it's important that we hear it from our minority leader, Kathy Connolly, is to prime the pump. Prime the pump on issues that are important to the hardworking people of Wyoming, and I just want to thank my colleague um, for having the courage to, to um, you know, present this bill, um, submit it, have it introduced, and it's on the list. But you know, I don't think of it as a loss. It wasn't introduced, but that's okay. And um, our car- colleagues know what we stand for and what's important to us here. And that's what's important. So um, I'm glad, I'm honored to be here and I'm um, looking forward to learning. Thanks
0: thank you and again thank you for for sponsoring the bill uh, and for coming to this meeting uh, because if you're in this space if you're if you're occupying this space whether it's in the zoom space or if you're one of the folks that are watching on uh, youtube or facebook live right now it's because you already know that the bill you know didn't get introduced uh, but you're here anyway because you want to know what you can do uh to uh gear up uh, and prime the pump uh, for next year uh, and for, for subsequent sessions, uh, as well as how this struggle is tied to uh, a whole, uh, I would say a whole menu of workers rights and uh, wages and benefits and protections as Wyoming enters uh, this uh, uh, transition Uh, economically and energy wise that we're going to do. And I think it would be really easy uh, to say that, uh, you know, to kind of seed the the control of that narrative of that transition um, to the same economic interests who have put us here in the first place. Uh, And I think that the demand for 15 is Uh, one that says we won't accept that narrative because whatever it is that that we're going to do, we're gonna decide what that is together and we're going to make sure uh, that people have enough to live um, in the interim. Uh, And so with that, I wanna introduce Jason Call. Uh, Jason was uh, a house candidate um, in uh, Washington State, uh, as well as an organizer for Fight for 15 and many other campaigns. Uh, and uh, we're really excited to have Jason here uh, to give some perspectives from a successful Fight for 15 campaign uh, in Washington. So welcome, Jason.
4: Appreciate it very much, Matt and Yana, for the uh, invitation. Um, I am actually an active candidate for uh, 22 uh, for the same district, Washington. Thank you. so. Um, So, Yeah, I mean, we have had some successes here in, in Washington State. Um, and, I, and I don't know how well this is known nationally, but it was actually uh, SeaTac, which is where our major airport is, that was uh, the first place in Washington that got the $15 minimum wage. And the way they got the minimum wage is there were a bunch of people um, uh, airport workers who were union workers at one point and they had been laid off and then they were hired back at very substandard wages as non-union workers. And a lot of these groups were uh, were immigrants. We have a lot of East African um, immigrants here, Somali, uh, Ethiopian, Sudanese. Um, and uh, they were they were not treated well by the airlines um, and they started community organizing, Um, within their own groups. And then that filtered out to church groups. The the church groups in the area were very, very supportive. Um, And and just to to touch on what your uh, representative said here, uh, two things that are super important. Uh, One is that all work has dignity. And that's um, really what Uh, the church groups brought to the table was this idea um, that anybody who has a job should be able to live with dignity and not, you know, I don't want to go beyond that and say anybody, everybody should be able to live with dignity. So this is not just people who are working people. Some people can't work. Some people can only work part-time. Everybody deserves a living situation that is dignified um, but certainly if you are on the job and doing this backbreaking work of baggage handling that um, that the people at the airport are doing um, you know they come away from that with a lot of uh, physical problems because they're they're straining their um, they're straining their bodies constantly day after day after day uh, doing this work so they had gone from an $18 unionized wage down to nine dollars and fifty cents as non-union workers and they decided that they were not going to accept it. So there was community organizing within the communities who were doing that work. There were church groups that had come toward. There was a lot of resistance um, uh, from the airline industry because they wanted to say, well, we're kind of international carriers. What you do as a city here in SeaTac shouldn't affect us. Thankfully, we had judges who were on the side of the people who are seeking the minimum wage and they struck down um, the the appeal from Alaska Airlines and Hertz uh, who were who were trying to fight this but really what it came down to is SeaTac was a city of about thirty thousand so not huge not not like Seattle and so it was a small city that community organized and put this um, and going to what um, Representative Clifford said put this on the table it has to go on the table at some point. Everything is a starting point. And they fought it for a couple of years. I mean, the airlines and the community, uh, it took years, you know, probably two or three years for them to actually get the city of SeaTac to pass this as a referendum. Once it was passed as a referendum, the the, the momentum really carried national and it carried up to Seattle itself, Seattle proper, which is just a couple of miles north of SeaTac. And by 2014, the Seattle City Council Uh, had passed a seven-year plan for transition from uh, the minimum wage, I don't remember what it was at at that point, um, onto a $15 minimum wage. In fact, in 2021, we just hit the $15 mark where workers in Seattle are now getting a $15 minimum wage. But I want to tell you something, A lot of this is driven by the increase in land values. As you know, property values have gone through the roof in Seattle here. Property values have tripled in the last 20 years. They have doubled in the last six years. And what we find is a lot of these minimum wage workers can't afford to live in the cities that they work in. Um, And, you know, We have to, again, community organizing, having leaders like your representatives here, but also community leaders like Yana, and people like, um, as you know, Shama Sawant, who is instrumental in putting this uh, front and center in Seattle City Council year after year after year. But one of the things that also happened then is that once it had passed in SeaTac, once it had passed in Seattle, even though it was graduated, we moved on to, in 2016, passing a statewide minimum wage increase that went from, I think we were down somewhere below $10 to $13.50. So not $15, but again, a four-year what we're talking about is a growth of understanding among your general population that these things are possible, that they're necessary, and that they are what provides people dignity. So we ended up getting a statewide minimum wage of $1,350. And we are going to increase that. Hopefully, we can do it federally. Obviously, it was taken off the table here. But I want to go back to CTAC that started this journey in 2011, got it passed in 2013. CTAC now has, I believe, the highest minimum wage in the country. They are at $16.69. So um, my message to everybody in Wyoming is organize, uh, get your unions together, get your ethnic groups together, um, because they are often very solidified uh, and and very organized amongst themselves. Get your church church groups together and and, uh, continue the fight. So, you know, uh, we were able to do it here in Washington. We have a lot of big business fighting against us. uh, And if we can do it here, uh, it's possible everywhere. So uh, that's the message I wanted to bring to you. And I'm happy to take some questions.
0: Thank you, Jason. I'm looking forward to us having a Q&A and, and a little bit more of an informal uh, chat session um, after the last two speakers so that we really can hone some strategies or at least some strategic goals out of this discussion. So thank you so much uh, for your perspective. I never knew that SeaTac was that small uh, and that does put things in perspective given that we're dealing with smaller cities and smaller communities here, uh, but nevertheless, communities of people that need living wages. Um, I wanna introduce Uh, Amanda Barnes next. Uh, And Amanda is a member of Southeast Wyoming DSA, uh, as well as uh, uh, an unapologetic voice um, for uh, uh, particularly, you know, working moms and working people uh, in the Laramie area. Uh, And it's great to have you here, Amanda, go go ahead.
5: Thanks for having me and asking me to speak tonight. Good evening, everybody. My name is Amanda Barnes. I live in Morgan Laramie. And tonight I'm here to testify as to what raising the minimum wage would have done for Wyoming workers. Um, to say that I'm disappointed that the bill for raising the Wyoming minimum wage to 15 an hour was like killed right out of the gate is an understatement. It's discouraging to know that our the majority of our state officials don't see paying a living wage as a high priority when they talk so much about how our economy is dwindling and, and putting the state at risk. It's a known fact that wage workers um, keep things going because every dollar we spend every dollar we make goes right back into the economy um you know and so this creates a higher demand for products and services which in turn creates more jobs which in turn again creates more revenue i mean it's just good economics and from a business standpoint it baffles me uh why this bill would be dead on arrival, you know, from a low wage earner standpoint, I have recently experienced firsthand what a wage hike can do for a family who has been living in poverty for over a decade. Um, In October of 2019, I was working one job through the university and took on a second working at a local elementary school for a couple hours a day. While both jobs paid more than the national, min- national minimum wage, it still wasn't enough. We still needed food stamps um, and I was barely able to pay my bills. Uh, working two jobs, one of which was in the evening, was really taxing on my home life. I barely got to see my children and had very little time for anything else, especially considering for a portion of that time after I started the second job, I had to walk 45 minutes into town to get to the elementary school and then turn around and walk another half an hour to my second job and sit and wait in the lobby and wait for my shift to start. Um, I was exhausted, I was depressed and felt like I was in this like never ending cycle of just financial despair. Um, it was inevitable that when the paychecks rolled in bills were going to be due, I was going to be stuck trying to figure out whether or not to pay them or to fix my car. Thankfully, a friend of mine gifted me her vehicle because she is financially well off enough to do so and she wanted to help. And the day she signed the car over to me I actually stood in the treasurer's office of the courthouse and cried, because for the first time in years, it was one less thing I had to worry about. Around tax season of 2020, two positions came open at the elementary school and the director of the school actually asked me to fill them both. So I went ahead and quit my job at the university and I actually gained a pay raise of $15 an hour through the elementary school. Um, With that raise and it being tax season, I figured out how to get my family off of the SNAP program for the first time in over 10 years. Despite what some people think, the poor, we're actually very good at budgeting (laughs) and we don't like to be on public assistance. So I sat down and budgeted our way off of food stamps, praying that it would last more than a month or two. Um, We also spent that summer uh, making repairs to my home, which had a badly leaking roof holes in the floor that we had boards like nailed down over and pipes so old that we can't drink the water for fear of getting lead poisoning. Um, If it weren't for the pay raise, we would actually not be living in our home right now. It was in that bad of condition. We were still living paycheck to paycheck, knowing full well that things could change at any moment, but we were finally starting to see some security in our lives for the first time in over a decade. Fast forward to a year later, tax season 2021. Um, Thanks to making that living wage at a really great job that I love, I got a larger tax return than I would have if I was making eight, nine, 10, or even $11 an hour. I paid an entire year's worth of lot rent so that my paychecks from here until February of next year can be used for continuing the repairs on our house, any emergencies that might pop up. And I've been working on building a greenhouse so that I can further You know, be more self reliant for my family. This is what a living wage looks like to a low income wage earner. It doesn't look like big screen TVs, thousand dollar smartphones, brand new cars, paid in cash, lavish vacations, or steak and lobster every night, like some people would have everyone else believe. Um, And even if that's what we wanted to spend our money on, it's nobody's business. But in reality, it's not about keeping up with the Joneses. It's about not having to worry over where our next meal comes from, what bills are going to get paid, um, or if our only home is going to be condemned because we can't keep up with repairs. Um, It's about using that money to keep our heads above water instead of wondering when the day comes that we are going to sink entirely. Um, The fight for 15 or more, because in reality, it should be more. It's not over. It will continue day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year until it happens. One second. Sorry, my alarm's going off to remind me to drink water. (laughs) I mean, the high school kid that is working to save up for college, the college kid working their way through school, the newlyweds trying to start a family, the single parents just trying to feed their kids, the retiree who can't live on social security checks alone and every other low wage worker in between, we are the backbone of Wyoming and we deserve so much more than we are getting. And thank you.
0: Thank you, Amanda. Thank you so much um, for your very powerful words. Uh, This is not a hypothetical as someone just said in the chat. Uh, It's life and death for many families. Uh, It is the ability to thrive. It's the ability to not have to make those terrible choices. Uh, And so that's, that's what's at stake here. Thanks so much for uh, for giving it life. Um, our last speaker, before we get to more of a discussion mode, uh, is Barry McCann. Barry?
6: Uh, good evening, everybody. Um, hope everybody's doing well. Um, I'm kind of new to living in Cheyenne, and I've only been living here two years, uh, but I've been working here 17 years. And uh, when I heard uh, Representative Prevenza talk about The $15 minimum wage in young people, that really hit home for me since uh, I'm a teacher in town. And when we first started talking about this, or when I first started hearing about us doing a 15-hour minimum wage law in our state, I started talking to my students in class about this, kind of asking them what did they think that would mean for them. Um, A lot of the students I work with come from a a little background of economic insecurity. So I was kind of curious to see how they would uh, greet a $15 an hour minimum wage. And uniformly, every one of the the students was behind it because a lot of the students that I work with aren't gonna go on to college afterwards. Um, So they were thinking that $15 an hour is something that they could actually live on. And they were very excited about that because they, um, most of them are making in the $7, $8 an hour range. And some of them are helping take care of their family, paying some bills for the family. And that doesn't go very far. So when I was saying, what would you guys think about getting $15 an hour? Um, they were, they were I don't know, almost speechless to think that that would even be a possibility. And that's one of the things that really hit me is they just kind of assume that wages were just given by their employer, and there's nothing they could do about that. And I think that was one of the things that really hit me when we start talking about this campaign, uh, especially when I was working with these young people, is they don't necessarily know how social change or a change in laws come about. And then when we were talked more about, well, no, we can talk to your Congress people, your local representatives, and then we can build a movement that says we need to raise our wage. A lot of them really had never encountered that. And the idea that they thought that you could kind of fight for something and you didn't just have to uh, rely on the grace of your employer, I think really excited a lot of them. So when they were given that idea, it's like, oh my gosh, we could push for this, I was, I was thrilled to see the excitement that they had, that this wasn't just something they had to accept. And so that's what I started talking to them about is like, would you become involved in this type of movement? How could you contribute? How would it change your lives? And I was just, I was thrilled at the excitement that they had because a lot of them, like I said, come from financially insecure backgrounds and the idea that they can maybe uh, speak or they could live with dignity. Like someone said at the beginning of this, that was like a completely new thing to them and to see them excited about it gave me hope about being able to organize this type of movement in Wyoming and in Laramie and Cheyenne and all the other places. So this has given me hope because the young people got very excited about the idea that they could push for something that would make their lives better. And uh, like I said, one of the big takeaways I got from talking to them is that it really gave them a a different view about how things happen in our country. That if you have something you wanna do, you can get involved and actually make that change. And now I guess for us as a group who's working on this, that's the point we gotta get to is getting people involved who will be impacted by this, and it will make it a positive impact on their lives. How do we get them going? And that's, I think, where I'm at with my students. What are you gonna do? What would you like help with? Can you join this movement with us? Uh, I'm excited for
0: it. Thank you very much, Barry. We're excited listening to that, um, especially that uh, that maybe uh, big eye-opening moment where people say, wow, you can fight for better wages. Wages are not just something that falls down from the beneficence of uh, our uh, employers and and bosses. It's actually something we can struggle for. Uh, And I think that you can carry that analogy to so many things. Um, And uh, if that is an, a, a consciousness that's emerging among young people in Wyoming, uh, and for the young people who choose, especially to stay uh, in Wyoming, uh, then that's uh, very good news indeed. Um, there, there. Uh, I want to go ahead and move to some questions, and and one of the first questions is for Repres- representatives uh, Provenza uh, and Clifford, um, and that is. Uh, and, and that is um, because I know this, you know, this bill had a, a short life uh, in, in terms of, of when it was floating out. Was there any pushback? Were there any arguments? Did anyone say anything uh, to you about, well, you know, this is why this is wrong, or this is why this is a bad idea? Did that even come up uh, preceding or during this year's session? Um,
2: yeah, you know, I, I didn't have conversations really with my colleagues before they, they killed it. It was just uh, that I, I think that the pushback that I've had has just been, well, you're, you know, that's just gonna harm small businesses. Um, you're gonna put so many people out of, uh, you're, gonna, you're gonna eliminate jobs, right? Because now these businesses are gonna close. Well, it's okay if there are a reduction in jobs, if we raise minimum wage because now we're just paying people to you know live with 40 hours a week instead of having to work multiple jobs and make you know less money and have to to put in 70 hours a week to get by Um, i'm okay with some people losing some jobs because having to to work multiple jobs is too hard (laughs) and you know and 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 hearing that like oh well you're basically tripling the the minimum wage and and how could you just go from 5 to 15 and don't you don't don't you think there's room for compromise and and my response to some folks was just like you know what's the compromise because people are people are dying because they, they don't have health care in this state um, people are making decisions that are uh, life and death of food. Um, what bills am I going to pay? Uh, h- how am I going to get through the week? Um, and so, uh, getting someone from where they are to where they can thrive is the goal. Um, the goal is not to to just give them a little bit more um, when they need far more than a little bit. Uh, so that, that I think that's the pushback in Wyoming is. I mean, very very few people also get paid minimum wage, which is another pushback. Or our state's minimum wage because our minimum wage is below the federal the federal minimum wage. Um, so there's there was there was de- definitely that pushback of well, no one actually gets paid five twenty five or whatever an hour, um, and that doesn't. To me, my I mean, my pushback is that doesn't matter because the people that are making ten dollars an hour aren't aren't making it. <laughs> um, we have to lift up everybody, not just a few people um, who are making the minimum wage. So uh, yeah, there was there was definitely some of those conversations, but it wasn't you know because we didn't get to have the conversation about what if that the bill when the bill would get introduced, it wasn't uh, something I got to go into a committee and argue for and. St- and bring my people and the people of our community to come say, here's how this impacts me.
0: Would you say the same, uh, Representative Clifford, uh, in terms of, of maybe just very basic arguments, no arguments at all, um, maybe just ignoring the bill uh, until it went away?
3: A little bit of everything and so what i had heard um of course no reason for why it was not going to be heard at all or introduced um but i did hear you know in in talking the overall um excuse i guess would be the because we're in a pandemic and how we scheduled our session that there was going to be lots of bills and we were just going to run out of time so basically um not at the table like carly said nobody asked um and you know, that's. I guess that's just just what happened. And, you know, it's just, um, nobody talks about it. I mean, nobody, uh, any of our colleagues really um, were worried about it or whatever, because I, I think they're just not out of place because because they use the pandemic too, because they use, they use that a lot of businesses are hurting, you know, um, not so much, just as much as the small businesses, but large, Businesses as well, too, and how we structured our CARES Act dollars, um, which was, I didn't feel was equitable across the board, and how we spent those funds, too. Um, but a lot of people were hurting. Um, a lot of people are hurting. They're still hurting. They've been hurting um, even before the pandemic, you know. And at the end of the day, everybody here in Wyoming wants the same things at the end of the day to have happy, healthy lives and live in Wyoming, our great state. Um, and, you know, we're trying to do that. We're trying to, we're trying to, to fight that. And I, and I think um, we Democrats in the legislature, we're few, but we're mighty. Um, we do our homework, we work hard. Um, you know, just today, uh, the past couple of days to, to witness my colleague in committee and presenter bills, um, she does her homework. We do our homework when you compare Our colleagues from across the aisle, um, um, they don't do their homework. Um, They get to get by with a bunch of I don't knows or this is what the LSO drafted for me. And they're really disconnected to what's really going on in Wyoming in ways of where people are hurting.
0: That's certainly, that certainly seems true. Um, there's a good conversation right now going on in the chat um, about the various exemptions and the various places where people are paid below f- even federal minimum wage, um, and that certainly does include tipped workers. Uh, there are also uh, provisions uh, where uh, disabled workers who are Um, Part of particular uh, exemptions uh, can get paid less than a minimum wage. Um, There are uh, exemptions for young people. um, And it seems like any struggle uh, uh, for uh, higher wages needs to be universal. Because if you don't make struggles universal, then it's so easy for some people to say, well, I've got mine and other people don't need theirs. And so uh, something like lifting everyone up um, together, I think, is really uh, important um, Jason how would you tell organizers and activists to engage about arguments and have when people want to have debates uh, about about things uh, it seems like um, sometimes you want to engage those debates and other times uh, there's a time to do it and a time not to what are what were some of the pushbacks that um, the fight for 15 campaign in CTac and elsewhere uh, ran into
4: well, You know, um, a lot of uh, pushback came from uh, businesses. And I know we've talked a little bit about small businesses in the chat, but, you know, uh, in particular, the restaurant and hospitality industries, where a lot of those workers are very, very low paid, there was a lot of pushback from those industries. Um, And what we have found since the implementation of the 15 dollar minimum wage is that those industries have actually grown substantially there has been virtually zero impact i mean there may be one of two businesses that weren't you know i guess particularly well run or couldn't manage it but the industry itself has grown with the minimum wage increase um and a lot of that comes down to uh um community support uh you know that that our area is extremely supportive of people living in dignity now we can't seem to get amazon taxed by our city council but beyond that you know i mean we have some crazy things going on with property values in in our area i mean we have a lot of speculation with real estate and it is driving the price of land up and it's and it's um we're getting gentrification. We're having people pushed out of the area, you know. So that is part of what's compounding our problem, you know, in, with wages in general. But the reality is, um, as I, I think uh, Representative Provenza said, most people aren't getting paid minimum wage. I mean, the minimum, the the average wage in Seattle is around thirty one dollars an hour right now, anyway. So we're talking about taking a small subset of workers and making sure that they are. Compensated fairly and with dignity. So it has not impacted the industry. You know, all of the wailing and gnashing of teeth that went on about how it's going to kill industry. So uh, it has turned out to be completely not true. And then there are some real success stories from businesses who have said, look, you know, we had to change our business model. And without getting into the details of how they did that, they said, we had to adjust. But when we made those adjustments, our businesses actually grew and it is beneficial to us to have workers coming to to work uh, healthy, happy, wanting to do better for the business because they know it does better for themselves. It's one of these ideas, this horrible socialist idea that that everybody does better when everybody does better. And we've actually seen it in play here. Um, it hasn't been perfect. There have been struggles, but in the long run it has been beneficial to the trades who initially fought back against it. Um, and so I would just encourage people to research those arguments and research the actual numbers. And when people come back and say to you, it is going to kill business in our city, it is going to kill business in our state, you can present to them the data that says you are absolutely wrong.
0: Thanks. Uh, thank you, Jason. Uh, the next question uh, comes from Matt, uh, Matthew. And Matthew, you can go ahead and unmute yourself if you want to ask the question.
7: Hi, can you hear me? Okay, Um,
0: so I've read,
7: I've seen various sources that estimate like at a national level, a living wage would be something somewhere around like $21 to $24 an hour if it was like consistently applied across the country. Do we have any idea what a living wage might be for Wyoming? Because I know Wyoming technically, in various parts of Wyoming, we have like a lower cost of living than other parts of the country, but is Is 15 even enough for this fight? It's nice that it alliterates, but um, but what do people know about the living wage in Wyoming?
2: I can answer that. Um, So we have a organization in Wyoming that has done this uh, self-sufficiency calculator. Um, The Wyoming Women's Foundation, I believe has done that. And what they've done is every county, they have been able to determine um, what someone needs to make if they live alone. So if they're a single adult, um, if they are a parent, and if their child is in preschool or newborn, or um, you know the other the other costs attributed with children, and then or if you had two parents living in a home. Um, in some in Albany County, for example, um, when you know you type in my in my self sufficiency calculator you'll find that for to for a single adult um that like you could be self-sufficient which means that you can afford your bills and like you can if you have a an emergency you you have enough to be able to pay for it um you wouldn't need to rely on anybody else um But it ranges anywhere from I think like $10. I mean, in some places, it's less than 15. Right. Um, And then when you have two adults, it's even less than that. But what ends up happening is the people who have say single parents, um, they need to make something like $17 an hour. Um, there's just a, there's a wide variety of like what people need to be self-sufficient. Um, so Wyoming, you know, I've heard some folks say, well, $12 an hour um, and 15 would cover, you know, a, a good chunk of people, but it certainly wouldn't cover everybody. You're absolutely right. Some people need to make more. Um, and, and that's where we should meet people, the people who need to make more, right? Um, but the, with this legislation, we started at that 15, um, and then we also cut out the tipped workers, and we cut out the um, the other the other issues of being able to pay less than minimum wage.
7: If I can, can I just do a follow up to that question? Certainly,
0: certainly.
7: Have you considered um, drafting some sort of legislation that? Communicates a living a living wage in terms of like the necessities of life rather than like a dollar value, because part of the problem with all these minimum wage laws is we pass them, and then like twenty years pass and inflation occurs and people are like driven into poverty because nobody passes. We have to keep passing them in order to keep up, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, part of one of the considerations that I had that I didn't include in this legislation because um, the legislative service office was just crammed with bills but um one thing i'd like to see putting in an, an adjustment for inflation every year um at the bare minimum and maybe it's that we you know we we just add more um to just account for a variety of different things but you're right you don't want to have to come back particularly since we haven't raised our minimum wage in a very long time um and so doing starting there and then moving up is is a good approach and I think you know future drafts we might include we we should include um an incremental increase with inflation
0: at least I wanted to quickly answer a question that had come up in chat uh, of another argument that people make it's more of a personal argument and it's almost an argument that is designed to personalize what should be a collective political struggle that argument is why don't you just get a better job Uh, and i know that that's we can all kind of go that's a silly argument but for some reason every time i hear people have a public debate about minimum wage um, that comes up why don't we just get better jobs jason
4: um well, you know, a lot of people can't afford the education required to get those better jobs. I mean, we have people stuck in, um, uh, you know, in poverty where they don't have access to the loan. I mean, I, I as a just as a candidate for federal office, I'm I'm for free college tuition. You know, I it, it doesn't make sense that we are we are not um, investing in our people so that they can better themselves and again better their communities when they better themselves. But, you know, it's really a ridiculous argument because there are a ton of jobs that simply aren't, I mean, there's different levels of jobs, you know, and, and we need to, you know, what kind of education do you need to be a baggage handler, but isn't the work of being a baggage handler important to the function of our society, you know, and this really goes back to the base argument of all work deserves wage dignity, uh, regardless of what it is that you're doing. Um, so, uh, Know and these aren't and these aren't jobs that are that are going to be held by you know so called high school graduate necessarily. I mean, these are jobs that people get and they are careers and they expect benefits to go along with them, you know. And and you as a workforce, you want a worker that is going to be committed to that job because it's expensive to end up having to rehire people and retrain people and all of that stuff. So, why not have somebody hired at a living wage who likes their job? who wants to do their job regardless of what it is and that we're gonna pay them well for it um, because there are a million different kinds of jobs that are integral to the functioning of our society. They're all worth dignity.
0: As we found out uh, during the pandemic um, that uh, uh, the jobs that are considered to be uh, the essential jobs are often uh, uh, the some of the lowest paying jobs, uh, certainly. Uh, so thank you for that and thanks for the question. Uh, Matt can I can I interject here? For absolutely a second? yes, Thank you, Amanda.
5: So years ago when I was still living in Colorado, living in um, Montrose and traveling to Aletha every day to work in a nursing home, I absolutely loved my job. Um, granted, I I did laundry, I cooked, I cleaned. But I loved my job. I loved being around the residents. I, I, I often brought my children in to see them because the residents absolutely loved seeing children. What made me quit my job was the fact that I had to be at work at four o'clock in the morning at every day doing piles and piles and piles of laundry only making 8.50 an hour people will stay at jobs if they're being paid better. <laughs> I mean, it's simple as that, <laughs> you know? And the fact that our country has like built this thing where low, low-wage low jobs are like low-income earners, I guess, it are expendable. Like, yeah, okay. You quit because you're not making enough, we'll find another one in a minute, you know, and it's it's disgusting that we have that mentality as a country.
0: There's some really good conversation going on in the chat, but we also only have a few minutes left and I really want to turn to one thing that's the most important takeaway from this, uh, and that is what we should be doing between now and the uh, lead up to the next session. Um, what? Uh, how can we create synergy uh, between uh, those of us who want to do this kind of campaigning um, and our uh, our elected leaders um, who are willing to take up the mantle to that? So, uh, let's ask those leaders what uh, you know. What? What can we do? What can we all do together uh, heading into uh, the, heading into this year and the next session?
2: That's a great question. And I I think, I think the answer I mean is bringing people who are closest to the problem always Um, So finding the people in your communities and trying to build uh, like county county chapters essentially getting people in in your area um, that can get together and and inform a plan of action of what's going to work best to influence your representatives Um, and then getting them to to put the pressure on that, that way, educating your communities, wow. um, but I think having having like little like, you know, having a, a statewide organizing structure, but also just like what are we doing in our local communities right around us, so that our representatives um, or us we see you doing that work and showing up and calling and advocating. Um, I will plug an app right now um just because i think it's super helpful um but it's the it was if you search in your app store um i think it's wyoming legislative roster or um the wyoming rural electric company made the app so i'll show you what it looks like if i can on my on the screen here but this app what it does is it gets it it looks like this Um, So you've got like this capital, this is a Wyoming capital, but yeah, the Wyoming Rural Electric Association. I think you can even search WREA, but what this does is it gives you our phone numbers, our emails, um, you can text us, um, and Build a relationship with your lawmakers over the interim. Right now, we're really hard to get a hold of because we're just super busy. Um, but build a relationship with people and talk with them about how much you are struggling. Bring people that are making minimum wage or less than 15, bring people who are working in industries that are dying that need a place to go work when we no longer have fossil fuels. Um, and let them show up and advocate for themselves because the people that are closest to the problem are closest to the solution.
0: Anything to add representative Clifford?
3: Gosh, we've been debating and she just took the word to right So, I mean, it, it's so important we all have embedded leaders and when we talk when, when i say embedded leaders it's not your typical lawmakers or people that have are in positions of power and authority it's the single mothers and dads that are holding down the households that are working hard that have a lot of little lives depending on them and so we we need to start having those conversations with our embedded leaders and the embedded leaders are who people respect who people in the communities will go to for advice and I have, I have a lot of them um, on the reservation. Um, they're grandmas, they're Nawas. And we go to them a lot and, and they'll tell us this, this is what you're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. And, you know, and that's how I ran my campaign. I went to the grandmas, I went to the Nawas and talked to them. And 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 the biggest thing is to listen, listen to understand and don't come listening that Thinking that you have all the answers and definitely we as representatives do not have all the answers and so we need to hear from you guys because each community is unique um different just a little bit um there's a lot of similarities but we are unique and so just just thanks um i appreciate this discussion
0: organic leaders uh, and organic uh, organizing um we're going to take one more question as we go out, Um, but before we do that, there's a couple of people that we haven't thanked or acknowledged that I really want to thank um, and acknowledge, um, and that is uh, Chris Lowry uh, and Jacob LaRue, uh, both from Southeast Wyoming DSA who have worked tirelessly behind the scenes to make this uh, event happen. And that includes communicating with people. That includes um, doing handling all of the tech uh, because some of us are better at handling the tech than others. Uh, And it includes just uh, cheerleading um, as we have, you know, every day that we've gone through this process, including the day that we found out that we we were going to be discussing a now dead bill uh, instead of a living bill. And did we want to keep doing that? And, you know, the spirit of everyone in in our DSA chapter and the spirit of everyone who was starting to organize around this was, heck yeah, we want to have this forum. In fact, we really need to have the forum now uh, to get us ready for next year. So thank you so much, Chris and Jacob. And thank you to Yana as well uh, for, and everyone in the chapter for the work uh, that you all have done uh, as well as Amanda and Barry for speaking on behalf of the chapter. And thanks Jason for coming. And we've got one more question. um, And uh, that is again from Matthew. So go ahead, Matthew.
7: Yeah, I'll try to make this quick. Um, So, uh, Wyoming in the Wyoming Constitution there's this provision that the state legislature is supposed to be like a legislature of citizens supposed to be citizen legislators and I guess that's usually interpreted to mean that we don't pay our legislators like there's there's hardly we pay them hardly anything and they only meet a short time per year and the consequence of that is that our state legislature is like largely composed of, landowners business owners and attorneys and i'm wondering if um our our wyoming our elected legislators do you think that class plays a role in uh getting these bills passed or struck down class in the legislature itself that's my question
2: absolutely um i you know i often feel like one of very few voices in the legislature that actually understands economic instability and insecurity. And I think that's why we don't have Medicaid expansion in this state. I think that's why we don't have a higher minimum wage. I listened to a appropriations committee meeting where they were talking about COVID relief money for renters and all of the conversation revolved around the poor landlords and not the people that were worried about keeping a roof over their head. Um, It's absent, there's definitely a divide it's not easy to move your life to Cheyenne. It's when people talk about campaign funding for their campaigns, they're like, oh, ask your friends and family. Well, what if you don't have friends and family with money? Poor people are barred from the conversation and, in every step of the way they're not in the legislature they they don't have lobbyists there for them i had a bill that i introduced actually to uh representative clifford's committee on um on car insurance which i won't get into all the details on but the insurance companies just came out and just like hammered because someone showed up for the little guy and there's so much missing from the conversation because there aren't enough little guys there. Um, and we scare them.
0: That's my favorite part.
3: Uh, 100% agree. Class plays is a big issue. It's so, um, I've learned to prepare myself in my second term. It's, so hard to listen to those conversations that Carly kind of highlighted for you, um, but it's in so many different areas, right? Like in everything, class, and this privilege, and the ignorance, and the lack of understanding. Um, it could be so overwhelming, um, but to have young people like Carly serving with me, who is unapologetic that um, that she struggles and she owns that space it's she's, she's she's such a such a blessing and reminds me why I'm there what I'm fighting for why I'm perseverant why I'm so resilient because I have a colleague right beside me um that understands and that means more to me than than a lot of things and it keeps me fighting keeps me fighting
0: thank you thank you so much all, all of you um And this has been a blessing for us uh, to have all of you here. Uh, Jason, call. uh, Best of luck with your uh, continuing uh, campaign uh, for. Uh, uh, house uh, from Washington, and thank you for sharing the lessons that you've learned with us today. Uh, Thanks, representatives uh, Provenza and Clifford, uh, for coming completely exhausted, completely spent, and you decided uh, to to give us one more hour of your time, and we're not going to forget that, I promise you. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Amanda Barnes, uh, for your heartfelt words. Uh, thanks, Barry is not here, uh, but uh, thank you, Barry, for giving us a model of how to empower and educate our young people. that's so important uh, for this fight and for all of these fights because young people don't yet know what they can and can't do. and uh, and they are absolutely key to that struggle. Um, we are, uh, uh, this uh, has been uh, live streaming and, and has been recorded, um, and so we will have this uh, recording available uh, for folks uh, to listen to, for you to share with people, uh, and again, thank you very much, uh, everyone, for coming, um, and uh, please consider joining Southeast Wyoming DSA if you are in the Cheyenne uh, or uh, Laramie area. There are also organizing committees being started in uh, two other places in Wyoming uh, as well, uh, including up in Casper. Um, and so we'll, we'll have more information about that later. Uh, but again, uh, thanks everyone. Uh, and thanks Yana for co-hosting uh, and all uh, UDSA peeps and comrades for, uh, for helping us get this, um, this conversation off the ground. Thanks everybody, have a wonderful evening.
1: And thank you, Matt. Fighting the good fight. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks.